And I have a yeah. much better sense of who you are, that sort of you're a three-dimensional person rather than being a sort of two-dimensional, you know, figure that you bring to the office. Yeah. And that really helps us empathize. It helps me understand who you are and not try and dismiss you or not try and listen to you or not try and understand that there may be, there are other things in your life that are, are best incorporated into the whole, you know, how we work together. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner, and today's guest, Sophie Wade, is the leading authority on the future of work and issues that involve everything about how work is changing. She is the founder of Flexel Network, a future of work consultancy. She's a speaker. She's the author of two books, Empathy Works, which just came out. Highly recommend that you get. Embracing Progress. She has a new course called The Future of Work Skills. She's a LinkedIn instructor. She served on the board of the New York City chapter of the National Association of Women Business Owners, also known as NABO. And in her extra spare time, she also has a podcast called Transforming Work. So basically, Sophie does it all and makes it look super easy. Sophie, welcome to the show. <laughs> Emmy, it's such a delight to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I am so excited about talking to you because as we were just talking before I hit record, like I see a huge shift in not only how we work, but how we lead. And I'm really curious about how this became your passion. You know, my first career was sort of in strategy and, and sort of related to finance. And because of my two kids, my when my youngest became sort of old enough to kind of go, you know, mommy, why aren't you around that much? And so I tried to find something that was going to be able to accommodate it because I was rushing around all week and trying to weekend, trying to do all the things that I hadn't managed to do during the week and I had no time for them. So it was it was very much out of my own pain point. But then I started realizing, like, hang on a second, there must be a lot of people who need more flexibility so that they can actually get everything done and make it fit better. Thought it was more of a women's issue, then did more research. I was like, no, this is a flexibility issue and everybody needs to, to you know, now we have the technology and this was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Now we have the technology, we can do things differently. And it is, you know, d definitely was very painful at the mm -hmm. time. Sort of, you know, so I really wanted to advocate for it and, and try and understand it and, and, and be part of the, of the sort of movement to try and get more flexibility. And then so that the future of work was, was there. And, and what came with, with all these different things under the umbrella of the future of work was changing leadership because 
if you're working in a different way and one people more distributed, but also working at the pace we're working at when it, when it's much less predictable, you, you simply don't have time to have every, all the information come from the sort of the front lines all the way up to the top, have them sort of strategize, come up with a new idea and then, and then, you know, come down. It's just not fast enough. And, and now we've seen with, as we've seen with the pandemic, new ideas, how we need to pivot. All the ideas come from different people, different organ, you know, places in the organization, <laughs> all rallying together. And so leadership absolutely needs to change because of the technology, because of how we're working in a very different way. And I think that's really exciting in terms of how leadership is changing. Absolutely. Because I think it's getting better and, and more positive, more open. But what do you see as, in addition to just information and ideas having to cycle all the way up through mm-hmm. um, and back down? What do you think is not working about how we work? Because everybody runs around and talks about overwhelm and exhaustion and burnout. But what's the real, like, that's just the symptom. What's the cause? Well, I, I think overall, we're in yeah. a time where it's going to be, it's, this, this, it's, it's very messy. We're trying to work out how to, to make it all work. I think one of the core issues that is that has been around for a while is meetings. We're over meetings. And I think that... Sucks up a huge amount of time and effort and energy. Um, not being do, do judicious about meetings and who needs to be there and focusing and having a, an agenda and a protocol and like to make sure the outcomes. Because if you have effective, ineffective meetings, you have have five ineffective meetings in your day, use up the entire day, and then you have to be waiting, working longer and later, and all the rest of it in order to get the work done. It has to be done, mm-hmm. and so really using technology to make to make those meetings effective. For example, talk to a gentleman who, who they record, they video record all the meetings, they're keyword searchable, that can allow people not to have to be in the meeting, can search for it after it's kind of like, oh, so not, you know, that was, I don't have to be there, can get my work done. Then I can just search through some of the key things that I needed to know. And, and we don't, so there are lots of things in terms of how we work. We didn't have to sort of think so much and we didn't have to have a manager or a leader who was trying to dictate to us like how this, you know, you need to get this done and I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Now we have much more, we have more options in terms of how we're going to do it, but we haven't actually thought so much about how things get done. And we have many more options and tools and and ways to get things done. And we need to sort of be a bit more intentional about how we're going, how we're going to work it out because things have changed so much and keep changing. Absolutely. What's your thoughts on something like Slack or Teams, et cetera, where you've got kind of that place where you've got different channels and people can chat? Is that effective in eliminating some of those meetings? Oh, definitely. Yes. Okay. So the, the using synchronous, I, you know, we're doing, we're doing synchronous live. So synchronous live is we're actually here seeing each other, but synchronous could also be, you know, we're emailing back and forth, we're texting back and forth. But asynchronous, you know, and if we're sort of engaged in that conversation, mm-hmm. but asynchronous, it means like, you know, a Slack channel means that I can ask you a question and you can, you can answer when you're ready to answer, when you haven't, I'm not disturbing you. I haven't stopped you from doing what you're doing in order to, to find that thing out. So really working out when we need to be using synchronous communication and when we can use asynchronous, for example, the like weekly updates. Now that can be a great moment to get together and kind of connect, but the actual update information could be done in a little video. It could be done a little report, but it could be, you know, a one minute video, which you can actually sort of, you know, you have more information and and, and context about mm-hmm. how I'm doing. Like, yes, this is a great week. And this is what we found out. 
But then the moment that we actually are alive can actually can be more focused on our relationship and 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 sort of you know how are you doing and what are, and and face sort of going towards the challenges that maybe I was dealing with and you could help me with that rather than wasting all the time which which we had to be sort of live together on just the the, the things that you could you know you could have looked at in your own time and so maximizing that moment we're together so using these channels and different means of communication that are going to allow us to to work effectively these are some of the things we can do very deliberately now and i think and think they're really worth paying attention to yeah cuz i'm not a meeting person like yes if we need to we need to sort something out like let's do that when i have a weekly team meeting but we do everything else through boxer and we do little videos of exactly what you said and I've used Slack depending, it depends on you know, what, what right. which team member needs which thing. Yes. And exactly to that, you do it differently depending on the person because, you know, some people are used like all the time. It's like, it's very intuitive to them. Others, it's just a different thing. Some people, you know, it's text, it, you know, whatever works. Obviously, if it's mm-hmm. too fragmented, it can be a little, you know, harder to to organize. But but meeting people where they are, I think, you know, that's the, that's the sort of the way to engage them and get the most out of them. Yeah, absolutely. How can leaders and business owners start setting themselves up and their teams up for success in a kind of a forward thinking momentum so that they can start thinking about the future of work and what that looks like and start implementing some of those opportunities now? So I think one of the key things is really there's a lot of learning from the last two years as as much as we really want to kind of like just like no it never happened we don't want to remember it right <laughs> we actually learned a huge amount because the probably you know a huge percentage of the conditions that we were dealing with certainly for the last year or 15 months or more are the future work it's it, you know it wasn't so much the restrictions but how we were working and the speed at which we were working, the need to pivot, obviously these were extreme conditions, but mm-hmm. now we're still working with that unpredictability, with uh, the need to pivot because you know our customers' behaviors are changing or our competitor has implemented new technology, which is causing customers who might be thinking about that, you know, using them or using us, then we, we, we might have to you know, change what, how we're doing things. So all of those, the, the sort of, di- you know, it's still dynamic, you know, it's a little, the volatility is less, but we're having to work in those kind of ways. So we can learn a lot and, but purposefully go back, see how we organize ourselves, see how we rallied and we're able to make those changes and, and just, you know, be calm though. It's, it's not going <laughs> as extreme as that again, but you know, sometimes there may be a new variant and we have to, you know, deal with those, those changes, but supply chain disruptions, those are some of the other disruptions that are going to continue to happen at, at, at moments we, you know, now with, with all the stuff that's going on in China, you know, that is really going to be shutting down some of the supply chain, you know, cause, causing some supply chain issues again. So, so using the, the learnings of, of how we work, how we work better, how we've been working together in teams, how we've been working successfully in distributed ways and, and, and using that to, to, to have the open mindset. I mean, this is a key thing about the future of work because when we're, when we aren't sure as, as, as sure, and we're working in different ways and working in, in, you know, trying to bring new, new upgrades, new developments, new, new additions to our products and services quickly to market, we need to be open. Um, we need to sort of be, be open to new ideas, open to new ways of doing things. And that is one of the key things. It's really about the mindset. It's about the sort of flexibility and adaptability to both business and, and to working arrangements. Absolutely. So do you feel like 
companies need to start being more proactive and looking at like where their weak spots are instead of just presuming that everything's going to stay the same. Because I think that had we been a little more proactive in that, not that COVID would have been a huge shift because like who knew, but but I've been saying like we could work virtually for a long time to a lot of people who were like, no, no, no. And then once that happened, they're like, oh, this is great. And, and, and look at that. <laughs> yes. I mean, the, there are a number of people who I've met and, and another lady recently who was just like, I was so against it, so against it. And look what I found out that so we have known this was coming. We have known the bulk, and obviously not the pandemic, but we we knew that this all of this stuff was going to be coming and that we we're going to be needing to work in different ways. And the flexibility that we need from employees is the flexibility that our businesses need. And so that that having a sort of consistent environment that allows people to think in more flexible ways is, you know, needs to be consistent throughout the environment. So um Yes, moving in, in that direction and setting ourselves up differently is critical for our success going forward. And I think, you know, there are, uh, if we can try and end, one of the things I think is, is, is very helpful is to think about first principles. And that helps us, you know, put, not sort of say, like, you know, not forget the past, but just sort of say, if we can do, if we can move forward and just say, how, what would be the best way to do this now? Thinking about, in the technologies that might be available and how to best serve our customer, right. that, that is a really compelling way to move forward with a new sort of a fresh attitude and bring all the new ideas and then move forward without being trying to sort of slip back into some old habits that, that aren't helpful. You know, when we have sort of rigid and fixed habits from the past, they aren't going to really help us as we move forward. And so using those first principles, and just I, I use Uber as an example simply because they didn't try and say, how can we incrementally improve the taxi experience? Mm -hmm. Because from a, from a customer, it was terrible. I mean, you know, I was so safe. I was in New York in the middle of the afternoon. Needed, it was raining, and I need to get to the airport. I, you know, forget it. <laughs> but they kind of said, "Well, how can it? How can we improve it from the customer perspective and and give them technology that they can actually access? You know, no matter you know who who is available mm -hmm. in the in a radius." So I th I think really taking that new a new perspective, a new mindset, we can move forward in the most intelligent way possible, and and make it sort of easier for. I love that. And it's kind of this or similar story of like Steve Jobs creating the iPhone. He wasn't creating something for a need that people thought they had. He was creating a thing to fill a need that people didn't know they, that they wanted. So looking at it from that perspective. Uh, and we haven't really thought about, I mean, now the technology is there to be able, we need really to be reaching customers and thinking about them individually. Like we could actually probably recognize you know, our customer, our target customer on the street, like, oh, that's exactly who we're, you know, we're trying to target. So because we are really getting down to sort of empathizing with that person, trying to understand what the pain points are and what their needs are, that's also the same for our employees. And the, and the best way that we can sort of set up our companies is one, looking at the customer and that customer journey and really try, trying to understand what their needs are and how all of the, our company can be uh, sort of focused and aligned along how we're going to attract them, how we're going to convert them and how we're going to keep them and all the rest of it. And then also from the, from the employee's basis, um, employee basis, particularly in such a tight labor market, how are we going to reach out and where are the employees that we need? If we allow for, you know, full-time remote work, which, you know, you can then, if you, you're really struggling to get the kind of talent you need, you, that, that allows you to access talent, you know, the nationwide and worldwide. So, so it, you know, really kind of sort of saying like, what are our needs and how can we best 
achieve the, the you know, get the talent we need, get, you know, the, the business elements and skills that we need, which, which keep changing. Right. Um, and really sort of being open-minded about that is the, is the, is the most pr- productive way forward, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shift gears a little bit because your, your book is in your, the background for those of you who are listening. And I'm really excited because empathy makes sense to me in, from a leadership perspective, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the majority, I think, in a lot of, of cases. What made you want to write the book? Well, it actually, the whole, my whole focus on empathy, it wasn't kind of like, oh, empathy, and it's not about being nice and kind. It came out of a lot of work that I was doing starting probably, I don't know, 2016 or something. And it was really about new leadership styles and, and also a lot of the challenges between generations. And when there, there were so many, you know, complaints about millennials, this and millennials, that. And so I did all this research on millennials. I was like, well, hang on a second. And I, and I put myself in their shoes. I empathize with them. And I really kind of like, well, what, you know, if I'm a millennial, what does it look like? And I suddenly realized how different the world is. So, so we're, we're very similar to when, you know, I was in their shoes. I, it was very similar, you know, for us, apart from in terms of like, you know, some, a lot, a lot of elements in the workplace, but not the technology and not the pace we're dealing with and the career possibilities and trajectories have changed a lot. And right. that changes the dynamics, that changes how you go into companies and what what you need from companies in order to try and give yourself some financial stability. And when there's no job security, like what's going to help you stay connected with that company and, and how they're going to help you stay competitive. So look at all of that really helped me think about empathy as being the, sort of the secret source. And it, then the, the other sort of pillar, there was leadership, intergenerational. And the third one was about remote working and, and the mm-hmm. decentralized workforce, which was already happening. So, so it, it was like, how could you think about somebody who's not working in the office when most people are and what are their needs and thinking about them kind of like they feel isolated, they don't feel included. You know, so it really was the sort of the, the connector. It was just trying to understand other people. And then you had the increased speed. You had had the changing work sort of lack of linear work in the same way and working in more networked ways, working more teams, um, particularly when the distributed. And and empathy just came up and up and up and and really was elevated. And so I just sort of flipped it and and for started speaking specifically about empathy and just human understanding. You know, we just, it's, it's about understanding who we're dealing with, understanding better who the other person is so that you can then have more productive conversations, interactions and, and meeting outcomes. And so, and so that was really when the pandemic came out, like, you know, we need to be thinking about this much more practically, as well as just sort of looking at the overarching sort of strategic need for empathy in this new era of work that, that then sort of hit us. So. I'm curious, how can leaders start start to embody being more empathetic? Well, in the book, I get very practical about it because okay. I know that sort of makes it easier. There's a, there is the, the mindset. There's also having empathy as a cultural value, but there are lots and lots of empathy habits. So some of those are just very basically about connection. And so just as, as, as we did, you know, finding out about each other at the beginning of the call and, you know, how are you doing? And, oh my God, did you see the latest episode of whatever? So that we can connect because that helps me stay on the same page as you. Right. And if we were to have a difficult conversation, I do remember that, yes, you know, we do see eye to eye on some things, not on all, but on some things. So it's making those connections, developing those relationships, but, and also then let's just say in a meeting, 
listening to you and then confirming. So is that what you meant? I just want to make sure I understood. Now, by doing that, I'm showing that I value what you said. I'm trying to understand it. I'm you know, clarifying that I heard you. Did I hear you correctly? Because sometimes I may have completely misunderstood you. And then you know, then we actually start having a deeper um, mm -hmm. conversation about something. And so just little things like listening more carefully and being more intentional about the interactions and confirming that you understood, all of those help to have a much more empathetic interaction and lead to better outcomes. And what happens when leaders and business owners start leading from empathy more? Because I would presume that not only is there a positive as aspect on their teams, but clients and customers are also impacted. Very much so. I think, you know, empathy is a thread all the way through. It is, it is from, you know, I look, I talk about a human centric system. It's both your customers who you're trying to understand what their needs are, what the pain points are, why your product or service fits them and, and in what way so that they can really understand why it's a great fit and why they should definitely buy your particular product and stay with it. And then from an employee perspective, when you're trying to, in a tight labor market, when you're trying to attract people, understand who they are and understand what that, what that fit is and where they should fit in your organization, how you, can, how you can help them do their best work. All of that is really about sort of understanding who that person is and mm -hmm. understanding their work preferences. So empathy really becomes in instrumental when we're thinking about, I sort of look at it as a very technology driven world, but this is the human centric counterbalance because we're the ones actually using the technology and, and we really need to, and, and, and luckily this technology is now so sophisticated, we can use it in much more intuitive ways. It's much less mechanical, much more organic. And so it sort of helps us with that, that sort of human centric approach. So for businesses and leaders, like, you know, use in integrating empathy and integrating these, you know, so many different empathy habits can really help certainly with customers, conversions and employees all, all the way through. And that makes just happier everybody. Oh, goodness. Yes. And, and just, you know, helping people, you know, work more effectively and, and, you know, have everything, have their working lives be, you know, allow them to do good work and connect with their skills and strengths. And just, you know, when somebody is really engaged in their work, they're happier, they're doing, and they're doing better work. I mean, this does seem like the cliche win-win, but that is how I honestly believe that that's what we can achieve. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And it's wonderful to hear you talk about this in more depth because I think for a while it was very much even, you know, the foosball's table and parties and mm. all these other things. And they're great. Like they can be great team building experiences, but that doesn't create I think a motivated team in the same way that just understanding and empathy can, yeah, uh, can really bring a closeness and a connection in, in the relationship. Absolutely. And I think that was another point that the pandemic helped us with because we saw through Zoom, obviously there are lots of people in, you know, fixed jobs who on the front line who had an incredible pressure differently. But when it came to sort of Zoom or Teams, seeing into somebody else's life, obviously my, my background isn't really giving you that much information about my book, but I can see into your, you know, all those things that you have on your shelves. And I have a yeah. much better sense of who you are, that sort of your three-dimensional person, rather than being a sort of two-dimensional, you know, figure that you, you bring to the office. Mm -hmm. And that really helps us empathize. It helps me understand who you are and not try and dismiss you or not try and listen to you or not try and understand that there may be, there are other things in your life that need, that are, are best incorporated into the whole 
you know, how we work together so that you can, you know, not be as distracted or, you know, be focused or if something is going on, I just say, hey, look, you know, we could do this an hour later if that's going to be helpful to you. And then then we can get have the most productive meeting because you're not completely distracted by something, which otherwise I'd be just like, hmm, you know, that that wasn't a great meeting. We didn't really achieve what we needed to achieve. Like, let's let's just try and be effective about these things. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of those. We're like, hey, I really do want this meeting. Honestly, <laughs> like sometimes it's me. Right. Like, I, yeah, sure. like my energy's off that day. I've got 5,000 yeah. other things going on. Sometimes and sometimes it's just a good idea to kind of go, yes, this is not the best time for this meeting. You know, yeah. and that I think that flexibility that we have allowed ourselves for the last two years and because of a sort of more crisis situations. But sometimes it's just kind of like th- there have been a number of times when they have said, oh, this has happened, this has happened. And now that's OK to say. It's okay before you had to pretend it didn't happen. You had to tr- you know, try and pretend everything was okay and, and you know, keep calm and, and keep going yeah. in a very British way. But, but now let's, let's, let's it, because the bar has been raised, because we all need to be actually more engaged and leaning into what we're doing because yeah. it is you know, more complicated and we're trying to navigate this new, this new world. Really being, bringing our best selves is, is going to be that much more important. Yeah, I love that. And it's funny because I'm just thinking, but I have a new team member who we're just onboarding and I boxed her at quarter six last night because I frequently am working that because my day is a little weird. And she didn't respond until this morning, which was fine. Like I didn't care, but she's like, sorry, I didn't respond. I was just tapped out and needed to like, just, you know, disengage from everything. And I was like, hey, I'm so glad that you told me that. And that's great. I don't expect you to respond at quarter to six at night, like unless it's an emergency, which it's not. Right. And I think like giving her that feedback is really important. But also I yes. love that she acknowledged, as you said, like I'm done right now and I can't, I can't take on another task. And she felt safe to say that to you mm-hmm. and you then you know, you acknowledge it and said, and so that, that kind of the culture that you've obviously created and the, the, the safety that she felt to be able to say that means that she knows that next time in that situation, that, that she will also be, it'll be safe for her to do that. And you, if you also don't get a response to court to say something, you're kind of like, okay, she's probably tapped out. Okay, great. And, and, you know, that's, that's how to create these really much more productive, trusting relationships where people really can contribute more because yeah. they will be bringing much more of themselves. I, th- I think it's really beneficial. It's, it's going to be messy as we all try and get there and try and work it out and, you know, lead in very, very different ways. But I, I think where we're going is, is a much better place than we've been. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about it. So it sounds also like, like your book, Empathy Works, is really a framework yes. for people to use to to really build those those attributes and characteristics so that they can improve their skills. If somebody feels like they're not empathetic at all, can they can they kind of get on board? Can they learn that skill? Yes. Yeah, so first of all, yes. In terms of the framework, I when I was starting out on sort of writing the book, I was like, well, it, it doesn't really work if I just sort of say, hey, be empathetic. Like that's that's great. <laughs> that because there's so much that's changing and so much of my work for the last 
you know, 10 years has been about the future of work or certainly the last seven years has been about the future of work and how things are changing to do with technology. So I really wanted to create this framework, which is very much about the customer journey, the employee journey as being sort of the yin and yang, sort of being one of those yin yang symbols, it's kind of like it's a mutually reinforcing circle. And so that was that was a key thing to to really look at that in terms of how we can be organizing our businesses and thinking about the the customer and the employees and 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 the, and the journeys that they go through because that sort of is, is a, a good a useful orientation and then when it comes to sort of being practical about it and how we can actually really you know infuse our our lives with empathy and having the habits and so the habits are there particularly because empathy can be learned. Some people are more empathetic just naturally and other people are not. But if you think about it in your personal life, it, it, I mean, even let's just say as a kid and you wanted to go out late, like how many, who, who actually went to crime speak to their mom or dad and didn't think, how are they going to receive this? How are they going to react? Let me try and get inside their head. That's empathy. Like we're really good at doing that in our we're much better at doing that in our personal lives and trying to work out what that outcome is going to be, how they're going to think about it, how we can navigate it, what we're going to say, how we're going to counter. So it's bringing that understanding into our professional lives. And because, for example, you know, there's this you know, the terrible phrase, it's not personal, it's business. Well, <laughs> no, let's, let's move away from that. Please, please, people. <laughs> exactly. So when we can bring that understanding and practice the same empathy that we have in our personal lives, in our professional lives. So that's why in the book, I just sort of have these little things that we, you can do to change, to, 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 to nurture the little relationships, to create the more that we have shared memories and common ground and understand each other, that's going to help our interactions. So all these different things that you can do with your salesperson, um, a leader, you know, it's in your teamwork, but all these different things that anybody can do to practice and and infuse, we you know, practice and enhance their empathy skills and infuse um, their workplace and, and business interactions um, with more empathy. Awesome. And where can somebody get the book? So in, in bookstores, um, it just was released yesterday, May 3rd in the, in the US. So bookstores online, Amazon, you know, all of the different, wherever you, you have your, your online retail and you, retail and you prefer to, to buy books. Um, that's where it is. Oh, it's also an ebook and an audio book, which is. Oh, cool. <laughs> did you, did you do the narrative? I did the recording, which was much more stressful than I could possibly have imagined. But um, yeah, it's me, it's me speaking it. So. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to have to listen to it um, on audio. Is it through Audible or? I think so. <laughs> my brain is completely shot having launched the book yesterday i can't remember i think it's audible i think it's wrong. yes i think it is yes okay awesome <laughs> then i'm going to listen to it on audible because that's wonderful uh, thank you yeah my preferred method for a lot of different yes i love i love listening to particularly business books yeah um, on audible and and when i'm walking my dogs that's one of my favorites yeah times. and i actually i do both i will listen to um to stuff on Audible and get the paper yeah, book because yeah. I like to make notes and stuff too. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I do exactly the same thing. So I listen yeah. to it, and then I, then of course you then you have to find the bit that you really liked because you can't remember exactly where it was. But I, I love to have the physical books as well. Yeah. Um, well, and I just well as you can tell in my background, so I've got books. Yeah. Uh, yes. Behind like behind happy. here behind here there are lots of books. <laughs> Hidden away. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious. I want to shift gears a little bit. And talk about your experience as president um, of the New York City yeah. chapter at NABO, which 
Um, I used to be a member. I'm not right now. It's been on my, oh. my, yeah, like radar to get back in, um, involved again. But what did that experience teach you? Because it's hard. I'm not, it's not hard. It's challenging. And it takes it like, I think different talents to get volunteers to show up at a level 10 all the time because they've got other things going on. Right. So that was certainly my most, uh, I learned so much as a leader then, more than probably any other experience. NABO is a, is a, a really fantastic organization and really connected with me with, with, with women all over the country who have so many different businesses, which was just such a fantastic experience. And I'm much less involved now having um, been president um, for, for the two years in New York. But yes, motivating people who are not being paid and they don't have to do it. I mean, they've stepped up to the plate, but that doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you know, it was dealing with the board and, and, you know, motivating people and events and that, you know, you, you're really leaning in to try and find what their intrinsic motivation is. So obviously there's a, there's the intrinsic desire that they want to help other women business owners and that's, you know, their one. And so that's kind of like their community and their, their tribe, so to speak. But it's also understanding it was aligning the skills and strengths and really, you know, connecting with like, okay, that person's in that role and that role is, is probably related to their, their business, which is what we then really started trying to do, make somebody who is in marketing, you know, who's doing the marketing role, had a marketing related business. Not that it, it was, that was, they were going to use that to their advantage. It was much more trying to align with what they're really good at, what they enjoy doing so that, that it would be mutually reinforcing and, and something that really motivated them because it was, they were, they were really keen to do that kind of like, and they could show how good they were in this particular area. So it ta taught me a lot about trying to, how to motivate people, as I said, when they don't have any, the, any actual you know, real obligation other, other than their own sense of sort of duty, really. Mm -hmm. And duty can only go can really only go so far. So it, it really is a question of, of engaging people. And it was, it was, I mean, I, I had a fantastic experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Was, yeah. was working with such, so many wonderful women, both in, in New York. And also I was on the, the President's Assembly Steering Committee working with women all over the country. And just, uh, it was great, really great. Yeah, it's a, I love that organization. So you've inspired me to circle back into it. And yes, do, definitely. Yeah, awesome. So Pete, this has been, so much fun. I think we've covered so much, but just it's still at the same point, like tip of the iceberg. But for people who want to connect with you and learn more about you, where can they find you? Thank you. Yes. SophieWay.com is a website which has, all, you know, so many, you know, articles and about my books and, and lots and lots of information about all different aspects of it. Because I've been writing and, you know, providing workshops and all the rest of it, a lot of writing and interviews, um, which are on my, on my website. There's also my podcast, Transforming Work with Sophie Wade, where I do, as you do, Emmy, mm -hmm. uh, you know, find people who have you know, interesting perspectives and how they're doing it. And they're taking on board these, some of these new gnarly challenges that we're dealing with and in particular different ways and, and sort of sharing how, how they're dealing with it that can be useful. So the whole point of it is just to help people navigate and, and transform for this new world of work. So Transforming Work, Sophie Wade, there's also my company, FlexCellNetwork.com. Thank you very much for me, the, the opportunity to, to share those. Yeah, absolutely. I want everybody to be able to connect with you and all of my guests, because that's for me, part of the point of having the podcast is yeah. let's tell fun stories, let's share information and ideas, but let's get to know each other too. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. 
Thank you. We really, really appreciate um, and I really enjoyed the conversation. This is a really interesting world that we're dealing with and uh, definitely not easy. And as I always say, it's going to be very, it is messy and it's going to be messy for a while yet. So the more that we can, you know, talk yeah. about it, try and figure it out together, the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 